podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They have won the Rachel Hayhoe Trophy. Straight into the hands of the man on the mid-wicket boundary. Another one down. Hello and welcome to a live version of Storylines, the women's cricket podcast. We're already giggling. This is a good start. (laughs) I'm Melissa Story and I'm joined in person by Nikki Chowdhury. Hello, hello, hello. Can you believe like we are meeting for the first time today? It's a bit weird. Like I'm almost waiting for one of our screens to glitch or our faces to glitch and the sound to come out a bit strange. But Or me to call you on hands free and like be driving somewhere. I mean, we're both on swivelly chairs, so maybe we can pretend we're in the car if we move slightly it might make us feel a bit more natural here but we've both been at the oval today i've been working nikki's been drinking so (laughs) enjoying the hospitality of the oval (laughs) so overall we've had a brilliant day and what a brilliant game nikki england winning by three runs in the end yet again we're treated in both the men's and women's ashes to another incredible match in front of 20,000 people here at the oval now as we always say we're a very unbiased podcast so we've got an english fan and an australian supporter between us two as an australian fan then nikki what were your thoughts on australia's performance in that game well they did take it really closer didn't they for first up, like I don't think I've got anything else left because that was too close and I thought it would even be possible. I think in comparison, Australia probably slightly slower to get off the mark in the power play than England. So I think they definitely did kind of probably miss out there because as they say, if you can win the power play, potentially you might be winning the game. So I think just slower off those parts. But England did put in a good performance. They managed to contain the runs, especially at really crucial points. Clearly, England's day and not Australia's. So we'll run you through the narrative of the day. Australia winning the toss, putting England into bat again. And it's Danny Wyatt with her 76 off 46. And she just looked her fluent best. And the, the one thing which baffled me was... Australia love going with the field where they have everyone up on the offside, push everyone back on on the onside. And most of the time it works because batters, you know, are happy to just dink the ball into the onside, pick up the single. But that doesn't work well to Danny Wyatt because she will go as far into the onside as necessary to play that lofted off drive. And at one point, 81% of her runs was on the offside. She played that shot so well. Just being able to like open the face of the bat and run it through, even though the offside was packed, she managed to slice the fielders. And it was just the timing and just pure class from Danny Wyatt, obviously. Um, but in terms of that field you mentioned, I did really did notice it because there was a point when Australia were pretty much on full attack mode. That offside field was up. They were bowling short, everyone out on the leg side. And you pretty much knew what the agenda was. But Danny Wyatt really did just like hold it, uh, hold her own. And she was on the front foot pulling and really did manage it well. So I don't think that really did fully work to Australia's plan. Then as we were u- a bit more used to seeing, as England had a bit of a middle order collapse, they went from 100 for one to 119 for six. And it was only the likes of Sarah Glenn and Sophie Eccleston and a bit of sloppy bowling actually from Australia that they managed to put on, I think, 66 runs in the last 30 balls. This is me trying to picture what my laptop screen looks like in my head and the little words I had jotted down. But in the end, Australia bowling 21 extras. And in a format as short as this, 21 runs. too much, isn't it? It was sloppy and it almost felt like 
another parallel to the men's ashes. When you look at the, the two teams at the moment, England's men have scored more runs than Australia's men, but they've actually bowled almost around 60 extras now in the series. And you can't make those kind of mistakes in competitive, tight games of cricket like this. Yeah, especially given the format, 20 overs, you really want to be as tight as possible. 21 extras is too much I think there is a point there that Australia may be looking back and think perhaps had they been tighter in those aspects maybe the game would not have been this result and there was a really weird difference between the two teams because Australia seemed to read this pitch as an Australian hard wicket that was that was a really bad Australian accent wasn't it that's what I said yesterday I thought it was going to be like this as well but then again I did think about it after we finished the podcast. It is a hard wicket. And then again, having good hand-eye coordination, it goes off the wicket really quickly, off the pitch really quickly. It is going to be a 50-50 game. And of course, T20 is a lot down to luck. But um, I think England really did accelerate in that power play. Like I, When I look back at the game, Australia is slightly slow. Um, England just ran off with it initially. And if you look at the players who got runs you had Danny Wyatt who likes to play with his her angles in in the crease and you know is still an elegant player with those lofted cover drives those late slices and then Elise Perry for Australia 51 not out in the end as well and none of her shots you know looked to be a slog or a heave she was playing glorious cricket shots but then you've got those two who excelled well on this pitch playing good almost traditional it felt like cricket and then the two teams one going for a basic all seam attack Australia not even bowling their leg spinner George Wareham and England using all three of their spin options they brought in the offspin of Charlie Dean and all of those three spinners bowled their four overs so it was really a weird case of how have these two teams read this pitch so differently it's been it's like they've completely seen two different pitches if I'm honest with you in Australia's innings I'd say no one looked to power their shots a lot if that makes sense it it seemed like they were much more just stroke play and being slightly more calculated but with comparison to England's innings I think a lot of it looked like we're gonna try and hit the ball like a little bit baseball-y in a way but like just more so like we're here to hit the ball rather than Australia kind of using the pace of the wicket and guiding it being a bit more elegant in that way um but then again with the way the wicket played I think that was probably the way to go in terms of powering it and putting a bit more oomph into it as England did. Speaking more about the importance of this game in the not only that you know the context of this Ashes series you know that's almost this surface level thing of England needed to win this game to stay in the Ashes we knew the equation but in terms of England performing on a worldwide scale I'd say for this last year you've had Australia at the top you've had India comfortably second and it's almost been England third and actually as we saw in the Commonwealth Games last year they didn't even make the podium they slipped down to that fourth place position does a win like this for England almost help them get over that psychological hurdle that Australia are this invincible, unbeatable force? And actually, they can make mistakes. Talia <laughs> McGrath dropped a catch, which I don't think I've ever seen before. And, you know, there were some misfields, and as we've, we've already mentioned the extras, but there was some really sloppy bowling it as well. It did look like, a little bit sloppy, yeah. England, do they know now? 
not necessarily, you know, they may not go on to win this Ashes series. In, in fact, that's going to be incredibly hard for them to do. But can they at least see now that they can beat Australia in the next, you know, it, currently and then a lot more in the future? I think obviously it's going to give them a big boost in confidence after the, the initial few games. But in terms of, is it more of a psychological thing? I think yes, in terms of being able to think, yes, we can beat one of the like the best side in the world. But in terms of results and ashes and going forward in this series, they've still got a long way to go because you know Australia, they're going to come back fighting and roaring because they're going to want to make a statement. And this was a game, I guess we say, Australia made a lot of mistakes and England didn't. So what are England going to do when Australia come out and don't make any mistakes as they're so often doing? That's when we're going to have to see this English team almost copy this performance but make it even better because of course there's always things to improve on if their middle order hadn't have had a bit of collapse just think England could have been pushing 200 at one point if Danny Wyatt hadn't been starved of the strike so much in the middle of her inning she could have gone on to get another T2000 today so you know I think there's all those what ifs in the future but for now at least we can look forward to, to Lords on Saturday and from an English perspective they'll want to win this game. I just want to talk to, to round things off about the atmosphere at the Oval because obviously as you say you're involved in the crowd and you were able to experience the 20,000 strong crowd firsthand. What was it like at your home ground? It was honestly like amazing. Like, I did not expect it to be like that just like the walk from the station to the ground it was just like heaving and then obviously once England got going the mem the momentum was just crazy and it was really nice to see so many people wanting to spend their Wednesday evening at a women's T20 international and rightly so because it was some entertaining cricket nerve wracking cricket as you guys may be able to tell, this has been a bit of a shambles of a podcast because both of us have just burst out giggling at every given stage. But Nikki, your highlight of the day. I'm going to say Danny White's innings, actually, because I think she went about that beautifully. Had she been supported from the other end, it could have been a completely different story as well in terms of what her end score could have been. But the way she went about the game, the shots she played and how she just pierced the field. She was really calculated and clever. I did really enjoy that. So that's mine. What's yours? I'm going to jump over to the dark side and say that I really enjoyed the performances of Annabelle Sutherland today. I know we hyped her up a lot during the test match. She was brilliant in the test match. She was a bit annoyed she was batting down at number eight for Australia, so went and hit 140-odd to prove otherwise. And in terms of this game, she picked up three wickets, took two catches, one run out, and then got 20 runs off 12 balls in the end with four fours in that inning. So although she was on the losing side, I think my losing side player of the day, if that's a thing, would be Annabelle Sutherland. And she's a player who, she struggled a bit actually in the Women's Premier League when she was brought in for some of the games and her bowling in T20, she's got good pace, but she was bowling a few too many uh, full tosses and things weren't quite working out for her at the death. But I, th I feel like in this Australian setup where there's options and she doesn't necessarily have to bowl, you know, those overs at the death, I think she performs a lot stronger. And I think she's going to be, you know, with the... 
Australian retirements, which are inevitably going to be coming in the next few years, she is really going to step up, hopefully up the order a bit more and into a more dominant position for Australia. That makes you feel really sad that you've mentioned that now. I wasn't actually anticipating it. I didn't want to really think about it. I know. Healy, Mooney, Perry. I can see the tears building in your eyes. I need a tissue. Can someone pass me a tissue? Well... To make you feel better as we round things off, you've got a lovely pot of chips. I brought this for you, actually. They were giving these away, and I was like, oh, Melissa might be hungry, and they're like masala chips. Oh, okay, live test. Live taste test on the podcast. Really nice chips, thank you. You're welcome. don't think we've spoken, actually, about (laughs) cricket at any point in this whatsoever. But, of course, please send us in any messages, any questions on Twitter or Instagram, at Storylines. Pod. We've just had a very judging Henry Moran come into our Five Live box and look at our chips and then walk away. But he was very judgy. Maybe he wanted a chip. Maybe we should have offered one. Maybe we've misinterpreted this. Of course, if you want to get in contact, please do. We'd love to hear your questions. Get them in before Lord's T20 on Saturday. I'm going to be there. Are you going to be there? I'm or not do you sure. Not... I might be there. Do you not stray north of the river? No, I always go north of the river. I'm actually a member of the MCC, should you know, if you actually paid attention to yesterday's podcast. I listen to every word you say. Well, join us on (laughs) Saturday evening with our dailies breakdown of that. And of course, you can catch yesterday's episode where we spoke to Dr. Sarah Fain, director of the MCC Foundation, and all the brilliant work they're doing domestically and abroad. There's 77 national hubs around the country, as well as previewing that T20 at Lords on Saturday. You can, of course, as well listen to the Analyst Inside Cricket, our partner podcast, as they release their Ashes Dailies following the Headingley Test match, which is starting tomorrow. For now, apologies for the shambles, truly, but thanks for listening. Bye! Sports Social Podcast Network.